Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like. Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks! Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count. And Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what I like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello, hello, and welcome to Under the Floodlights. And how glorious was it without football for two weeks? Unless, of course, you had a CONCACAF World Cup qualifier. Elsewhere, United aren't up for the cup. Daniel and Marty can hold off on learning how to celebrate properly for another year. Donny van de Beek steps on the football pitch. Tottenham somehow outdo the Willian saga, and Sadio Mane wastes 120 minutes of my life as Senegal win the AFCON. I'm joined as always by Chris Ringland. Chris, how are you? Um, I'm I'm doing I'm doing good. Thanks, Bailey. Uh, I was concerned at various points during Saturday early afternoon um, when lots of people still seem to actually think that the greatest FA Cup upset had actually happened, even though it hasn't happened. Uh, but maybe we'll get on to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think both me and you at, on sorry lunchtime had a bit of sweat. But I, I will say that po- possibly ours would have been more embarrassing, just ever so slightly. But oh uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah, we'll we'll wrap up where a bit of what's gone on the past two weeks. Yeah, it's of course we've strange. had the yeah. famous deadline day, which <laughs> I'm declaring dead, Chris. Yeah, like I mean. Because I think they were saying that it was actually the second highest January ever, and I think the highest January ever was the famous one when Andy Carroll and Suarez went to Liverpool and Torres went to Chelsea. I think that was the biggest Yeah, one. I kept hearing that, and I was like, that just sounds wrong. Like, nothing big yeah. enough seen to have happened for, for that kind of headline to be out there and that record to be broken. I, t- I tell you, though, Billy, who had an unbelievable deadline day is AFC Bournemouth. <laughs> don't know where you saw that. No, they brought in um, five players on deadline day. They brought in Scott Parker, got like Nat Phillips, Todd Cantwell, a uh, new keeper, um, got uh, two other people that I can't remember off the top that, of my head. That just sounds like Parker's been sweating it out. <laughs> From what I know, they should have been like basically promoted at this stage and recently well, they, just haven't been at the races. Yeah, I mean, I think they are first or second or third or something, but they obviously lost to. Um, uh, Boreham Wood in the FA yeah. Cup. Uh, yes, they also got Kiefer Moore, who's the the striker for Wales. Oh, the big lad from Wales who just loves a header. Yeah, I'm all about him. Reminds me a lot of uh, Zuba, the Russian guy. Yeah, yeah. great player. And <laughs> just, uh, just can't do it at club level. Loves it international though. Yes, and uh, a guy called <laughs> Sariki Dembele from Peterborough. So they had a phenomenal deadline there. Just to them mess it all up a week later in the FA Cup yes I, and they started with Nat Phillips and etc and they didn't play well but anyway uh, yeah deadline day was was strange I was just all, all I was all I was concerned about really was somebody please save Jesse Lingard and, and no one did no, no one did because they weren't allowed <laughs> no one did because uh, apparently well apparently it's because they oh well they now have a, a gap in their squad and apparently Jesse's the guy, even though they decided to then give him the weekend off. So, <laughs> which he uh, then disputed. 
Yeah, like he then said, "Yeah, I didn't need a week on off. I didn't ask for this. I'm ready to play." Yeah, yeah like I mean, I'd, I was almost getting to the stage where I was like, "Let him go to Newcastle," because that, uh, like, you know, just somebody save this guy from this. Yeah, football just let him play football. Yeah, because apparently the thing was United's negotiations with Newcastle was that he'd be there on loan, but you are. Uh, Newcastle would have to pay a fee if they stayed up, which would have been like twelve million, which would have been a transfer fee anyway. And Newcastle were just like, no, we're not doing that. We're not morons. And then yeah. he wasn't allowed to go to West Ham because West Ham are direct rivals. Absolutely. <laughs> so the entire thing was just a mess. I I agree. Just let the guy go play football somewhere. Honestly, like the guy's been at the club since he was like eight or something. And, yeah, uh, exactly. He's only six months left on his deal. You're not going to get anything out of him anyway, so no, just let him go. No, it's a disgrace. But yeah, deadline day was just Newcastle, wasn't it? Well, deadline day to me now is is dead. <laughs> like Sky Sports News on deadline day is broken. It's the worst thing on TV. I remember like years ago looking forward to watching it and would sit and watch six hours of continuous coverage. They currently have like they don't even wear yellow ties anymore. What's really? Did, was, was, did, did, did that not happen? In the... I think ever since Jim cleared off or whatever happened with him. Oh, did, they, oh, did Jim they, not do it? No, Jim's, oh, Jim's out. Right. Oh, so Jim. it's just completely different to what we used to have. Like at one stage, they had a panel of Apple Cave, oh, dear. Uh, yeah. Darmesh, and Anton Ferdinand. They were chatting about Aubameyang, which we'll get on to. Oh, dear. And how it was similar to the, the Odin Wingy situation. And Anton well, Ferdinand's like, yeah, he was at the club whenever that happened. Like, you just hate to see a fellow professional go through that. And you're like, Odin Wingy did that to himself. Oh, and, and to be fair, Odin Wingy was, that was an all-time moment. That, that, that was the peak Yeah, that'll Deadline never be day. bettered. No, uh, for, for those who aren't aware, he, <laughs> he was playing for West Brom at the time, I think. And yep. uh, Harry Redknapp was managing QPR. <laughs> and he thought, or for some reason, that, he was going to QPR, so drove himself to Loftus Road uh, and was told and was shown the door by the security because he wasn't a QPR player. Because <laughs> no one wanted him, everyone had gone home. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the false guy sports to me is just summed up by the fact that if you go on the Twitch and follow Fabrizio Romano's stream. Oh, is that what he does? He, it's just a bloke's, an Italian man sitting there on a sofa on his phone drinking Heineken. And he's miles better than what Sky Sports are putting out because at least he's correct. Yeah. And at least it's before everyone where it's like Sky Sports are just... There was a point where they were going... To, they were just back from an ad break and you saw that bloke Cave sitting on his phone flicking through Twitter <laughs> trying to find rumours. <laughs> they were like trying to claim Dembele was coming to Chelsea just to drum up like a bit of excitement. What? I could have told, like, Dem- I, which I Dembele? Uh, Usman from... Oh, Barca. oh, right. Why would that happen? And then yeah. Fabrizio literally tweeted two hours later being like, no club other than PSG even bothered the open talks with him. I was like, well, Sky Sports are in the mud. Let me watch this Italian bloke on a sofa with, <laughs> with two other random... La- I have no idea who the other blokes were on his stream, by the way. Of course, yeah, yeah. But it's just one bloke and an iPhone and he's miles ahead of Sky Sports. Super impressed by him. Yeah, I have to say, like, to, you know, there were some suspect moves on deadline day. I mean, I, I'm going to say it now. I'm going to, I'm going to say it now, and I'll, I'll get roasted for it if necessary. But I think Everton are getting relegated, and the transfer strategy phenoms of that club decided to sign two players that play exactly the same position when they've been playing four four two all season. Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose it's a time to talk about Everton. Like Bailey, I mean, I know you are. You'll have a certain 
affinity or opinion on Frank Lampard, but I'm I still don't really understand why he's like linked with every Premier League job. Well, you say that the reason he keeps getting like these jobs is he's a top four Premier League manager from the season from one season. <sighs> you know, FA um, Cup final as well, media darling. Of course, he's going to get linked. Uh, yeah, and like the had the transfer ban, etc. But like, I I just can't get away from the like the winning the Champions League six months later with the same team. I I, I just can't get away <laughs> from that. And that, well, yeah, it's the difference of going from vibes and passion to like a manager who knows his stuff and has been around. And German managers are very like that. They actually explain what's going on. Whereas Frank's just a big passion merchant. But, but like the thing is, like I, I like Lampard, and he's obviously very intelligent. Obviously, he was phenomenal, and, you know. And Derby did okay, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, for example, Steven Gerrard, like the reason why he did so well, Rangers, is because he had this unbelievable team around him as well. And mm. I, I, I get the impression from the start of Aston Villa's reign under him that he just has, he, he just understands how to manage a football club better than Lampard. Well, to be fair to Frank, Frank has brought in a great kind of backroom staff. You saw Paul Clements somehow in there. Oh, right, okay. F- yeah. Former assistant, the Ancelotti. Like, yeah, this guy's yeah. been a Bayern Madrid PSG. Yeah. And is now going to be number two. Oh, the, oh the guy used to manage Swansea. That yeah, guy. yeah, that oh, guy. Right. So um, he's in there, big dunks in there. Uh, Frank sorted out Ashley Cole with a job for the boys. Oh, Ashley Cole. So, <laughs> but, but, but as in, like, why, why is he the guy who will save Everton? That's the bit the big, I don't get. through everyone else. Because, like, because oh, whoever that nonsense guy is that they interviewed, who then proceeded to go on Sky Sports News and talk about the interview, <laughs> um, who last managed in chat, Fabio Cannavaro. Yeah. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> it's it's a hectic kind of football club, isn't it? Your boy Mashiri, I wonder, like, Honestly. how he's made his money in life. Yeah, because if this is how he runs a football club, I don't want to know how he's run his business. They're they're a basket case, honestly. Like, I, I genuinely think there's a massive risk they're going down. I I think there's a good chance, but also I think Frankel, he's perfect for like a new manager bounce because he'll go in there, make everyone feel good, pat people on the back. You know, he'll get a good run initially. And that's kind of all you need whenever you're at that end of the table. You need just a couple of wins, get the 40 points and stay there. I don't think he'll do anything spectacular, particularly this year. But I think he's a good vibes manager for this year. Bring him in, make a couple of people happy. And you saw him at the weekend, he's like fist pumping at a crowd and all in an awful, oh, in an awful Hummel tracksuit, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, like I just, I mean... At this point, do you say Newcastle don't go down? And then, like, if you automatically assume that Burnley don't go down because it's Burnley and they've somehow <laughs> got a better striker now than Chris Wood, uh, and then Roy Hodgson's now at Watford and they kept their first clean sheet of the season on Saturday, like, <sighs> then there's only Norwich. And I'm just like, well, that's that's why I think they're going down. I don't, honestly, it's at the point now I don't know who's going. I think Watford are done. I'm sorry, Roy's I mean, going to be sacked by the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> like like on paper Watford are going down but like Roy <laughs> no Chris don't even talk yourself into it Roy, 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 won't, Roy won't make it to the end of the year I don't know but Roy he'll get like Craig Cathcart and he'll be like he'll just sort the defence out and I don't know like 
No, I don't think Royce Hart's not in that either. Royce is no. Also, what a travesty of a Premier League fixture that was, by the way. That shouldn't have gone ahead. That was delayed like three. Was it postponed like three times because of yep. COVID? Burnley, Watford, nil nil. Yeah, I think actually the postponements were actually good for the game. <laughs> it made us all think there might have actually been one, and oh, yeah. it was just dreadful. Uh, but elsewhere on deadline day, we'll go to Pierre and Marco Bamiang. We'll start with him because this was an interesting tale. So, yeah. Aubameyang flew out to Barca. By himself, was it? By himself. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal apparently didn't know. Uh, of course so, they didn't. <laughs> he then claimed it was a f- he was going to see family. Then the deal actually went through it like after the deadline because Barcelona, so of course it did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't announced. Uh, Barcelona waited until the next day in the afternoon to announce it. Meanwhile... Their social media team had posted photos of Barcelona training and he was already taking part in training. You could see him in the background. Right. The entire thing was a farce. And it brought up the worst kind of football fans in the world on Twitter. (laughs) I hate these fake accountants who turn up whenever it comes to like transfers being like, oh, if we let him go, this is going to save X amount here. And if we add that to that and this new player's coming in over a five-year deal, so you have... Technically, it's not a hundred million pound deal. It's actually twenty million pound per year. I hate all that. And they came out immediately as soon as Aubameyang went. They're like, "Oh, this this deal is actually going to save us twenty five million pounds, and we we can spend that immediately." Well, Arsenal can. Yeah, you're like, where are you making this up? But, but like, yeah. I, I what I do hope is that uh, all or nothing have a camera in Barcelona to. to you know, catch all how that all went down. Yeah, I, I really hope there's one that's followed him straight to Heathrow. But like, but like, even even if you take aside Barcelona's ridiculous financial issues and how on earth they're affording any of this, like, what is their approach to the squad, Billy? Like, I know Sir Aguero sadly had to retire, but they've now got Ferran Torres, Aubameyang, Luke de Jong, Memphis Depay, <laughs> Usman Dembele, Ansu Fadi. Did I say Martin Braithwaite and Adama Traore? And Adama. Sorry, like what? Like sorry, what? What is? What's the strategy? I mean, I hope they do well in the Europa League and that. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Europa League, they've now had to drop Danny Alves from the Europa League squad because they have too many players. Remember, he was coming in to save that lot. The thirty-nine-year-old Danny Alves, yes. <laughs> who I think scored and got sent off in a game against Atletico this weekend. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's an absolute joke of a club. The way they they do just look for like Premier League strikers who are just past it. <laughs> they don't want them anywhere near like <laughs> any kind of form. It's like who's no. slightly past it and used to have form like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Aguero. Oh, Aubameyang. Let's get them in. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, my favorite transfer story ever. I absolutely lived for this because I I didn't think Spurs could better themselves without Willie and one buying a guy a flight. But they did, uh, with Diaz going to Liverpool. Apparently yeah, Spurs had spent months negotiating for this guy. Apparently, the starting price was around eighty million. Spurs what? negotiated this down to fifty, like over over the course of months. And then Liverpool just rocked up and went, "How much is he going for?" Porto went, "Well, currently fifty millions." What Spurs have brought us down to? Liverpool went, "Yeah, well, that." <laughs> <laughs> so, put that out there. Daniel Levy, worst exec in football. Um, he, he's, there's too much ego with him. There's a, yeah, 
I, I would love to have seen the Spurs boardroom uh, when that went down on Sky, when it came up on Sky Sports News that he'd gone to Liverpool. Not not even the boardroom, just the canteen. Because we know <laughs> Daniel loves to sit in there with the players. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, we yeah, would have been sat does. there beside Harry. So we would have gone off. Oh, we're it bringing this love. Diaz lad, and then dun, yeah. dun, 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 and the yellow strip across the bottom, being like Liverpool have paid uh, fifty million pounds for Diaz. Conte must have been like, oh, man. Yeah, Conte's not lasting this summer. I, well, he got some of his old Juventus pals in. Some of the like average players of the Juventus squad. He needs to bring in that bloke from Juventus from years ago, Maggi or Maggi, the bloke who done match fixings. <laughs> Save them at this point. Um, yeah, they're not getting top four. No, I was like Bentan Kur and uh, Kulusevsky. Is that it? Yeah, Swedish guy. No, don't know a great deal about him, but what I do know is he didn't feature a great deal in the UV documentary. So I'm going to say oh, indeed. Don't him. Yeah, yeah. You know, like they didn't get much airtime. Yeah. So I'm going to say, don't rate him whatsoever. But yeah, I could see Conte. See if it gets to like middle of August and Levy's not bringing in the players he wants. I could see him just throwing the head. Oh, I, get, I can as well. Absolutely. I, yeah. I'm out of here. Uh, other transfer stories that were hilarious to me Aaron Ramsey with his big move to love the it. Glasgow Rangers. I absolutely <laughs> love this move. That is an all timer. I think the best part about it, Bailey, is that it's widely acknowledged that his salary at Juventus was £350,000 a week. <laughs> and Rangers uh, confirmed that they were paying a part of the salary. So <laughs> I would love to know how much of that they're paying. Again, this is where I just want to be inside the room for negotiating. I just love the idea of some Glaswegian bloke phoning up Juve going... I will pay someone's wage and some plug at UV through a translator trying to work out what he's actually just said and then for Rangers to turn around and say, yeah, we're paying him, like, we'll pay five grand of that. Uh, yeah. just gone, oh, yeah, okay. And to be fair, to, apparently Aaron Ramsey had a choice between Burnley and Rangers was the chat <laughs> on deadline day. Um, and to be fair, I think the, uh, the Scottish Premiership could be electric now because um, Celtic have come from the, the dead seemingly uh, with all these Japanese boys and now it's an absolute tit for tat well I've, I've said to you already that after the old firm game that the J-League's currently higher in my power rankings than Lagoon this this guy Hatete Bailey is going to the very top him and Kyogo like <laughs> honestly I, hands up I would have taken the mick out of the J-League years ago <laughs> I would disrespect that league so shocking. But currently, they're above a league PSG in for in my power rankings. Just just below the Portuguese league now. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, another big signing for Rangers this window was Harry Styles. Chris, <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? What are Harry you Styles about? is doing a gig at Ibrox, which has nothing to do with football at all. But I just find it hilarious that Rangers season ticket holders got an email saying Harry Styles tickets now on sale. I had a email. lot of conf- yeah. I had a lot of confused uncles. Like, why, why am I getting pre-sale to love on tour, Harry Styles? Oh dearie me, that's hilarious. <laughs> why is he playing at Ibrox? Does he know anything about? Clearly, Camden, so get, get himself down the Ibrox, which isn't going to cause any division or any funny memes or dodgy photoshops of him wearing sashes oh, that I've hilarious. already been sent. That is hilarious. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, do, do you rate Newcastle's transfer business objectively? I, John, no, in all honesty, I don't care because all I've <laughs> seen is like them just signing 
likes a damn burn. It's like I, 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 I like it. I like damn burn. I um, like damn burn, but I'm not going to get excited about a club signing damn burn and uh, flipping target. I mean, to be fair. Dan Byrne is like, like that was desperate, but it's because he's from the area is is part of it. But also, I mean, there's so many centre backs they were turned down. Well, they who was that guy Sven Botman? Yeah, well, he apparently is, is elite. Him. Yeah, yeah, elite. What watch last night's PSG Lille highlights and tell me he's not involved in match fixing? <laughs> I heard the score. I heard the yeah. score. You see, straight up just passed at the Messi for a goal. <laughs> Um, I think Matt Target's a really good signing. I also think Matt Target that is very unlucky because he's had a brilliant season so far. No, for, for me, completely ruins Matt Target. Shows no ambition at all at all to fight for his place. Oh, come on. He wasn't going to play. He, he, see, he sees like a ding coming. He's immediately like, right, I'm at the door. I mean, I mean, the, the biggest point about that that people don't realise is that Jamal Lewis is now not in the 25-man squad. Ridiculous. So that's, that's great for Northern Ireland, that. Yeah. Cheers to the Saudis. That's that's just that man on my list, Chris. I'm holding receipts against them. Yeah, and I don't know much about this guy, Bruno Guimaraes, but apparently he was wanted by everyone and their granny, as Leon players tend to be for some reason. Um, well, he was wanted by Arsenal, and in his announcement video on Twitter, like just took the piss out of Arsenal, <laughs> which I thought was disrespectful. And then later on in the video, you see, but then you see he's taking the number thirty nine. Not having that one bit, uh, not yeah. for a midfielder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put on like four, six, or eight. Put on. Do not put on Scott McTominay's number. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. Last night, Chris, massive final. The Afcon. Oh, the Afcon! What a being, what a tournament! Um, it wasn't even being billed as Egypt against Senegal. It was billed as Salah versus Mane, which I thought was disrespectful to every other player on the pitch. What, uh, yeah, well, indeed. What I thought was interesting about the AFCON is that, like, it basically ended exactly as it, like, should have almost. Yeah. Like, the four best teams were the four, fi- like, final teams. <laughs> and also, that guy for Burkina Faso, who people were talking about, I don't know if you saw him, be like, Cabore. Um, guess where he's contracted to? Where? Man City. Of course. On loan at the French team that they own. So that's <laughs> so that's brilliant. Uh, of course they do. Um, That'd be shipped at the New York or something soon, won't they? Absolutely. Uh, th- there were uh, there were a couple of all time moments in this tournament. Well, more than a couple. Um, <laughs> uh, my personal favorite about the final was when Vincent de Bubacar said something about Salah. Did you hear that? Yeah. So in the semi final, before the semi final, he just said, "Yeah, I'm not that impressed by Mo Salah. He doesn't do too much. He just kind of stands around." <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious, but I also thought balls like such bulletin board material. And then I watched that game. I went, fair enough, because Egypt are the worst team in the world to watch. Yeah, like, well, I remember briefly from the World Cup, they weren't fantastic. Yeah. It is just Mo Salah and 10 other blokes. Not to be disrespectful to them, <laughs> the sub goalie they had, he's pretty good at penalties. The goalkeeper was great, yeah. Like, whoever's doing his research, putting names on water bottles for where penalty takers are going, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, but the entire thing the, the final was Mane wasted 120 minutes of my life like let's be honest here he could have scored a penalty five minutes in yeah. and actually walked out of the room at that point came back in went I know exactly what's going to happen here because I've walked out of the room missed the one instant I went, I'm now just going to watch this go to extra time and nothing else happen and that was also the hilariously the second time that Egypt had conceded this like a penalty 
like like a stonewall blatant penalty oh, like, yeah. like uh, by putting their hands up and then realizing that var was an action and going oh no as they were on the ground <laughs> yeah, well that was the thing about that penalty it was a complete stonewaller uh, to talk about refs in this competition uh, just that one game uh rock stars i'm all about them. rock stars I am so about them. Your boy last night was putting his hands on players and everything. <laughs> yeah. Just, honestly, you could not want a better bunch of referees if you're like betting on people getting booked. Because these boys threw that card around something shocking. Yes. Um, like, honestly, so much more balls than the ones in the Premier League. Like, It, it was the boy who turned around to Salah and offered him his whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's an all-time moment. I, I want Premier League referees to start doing that. Hilarious. And, and there was a couple of guys who were, like, sending off people, like, you know, who weren't... There was a guy who got... There was a brawl in... I can't remember who it was. I think it was Mali, maybe. There was a brawl in one of the matches. Basically, so one of the subs, like, punched someone <laughs> in the brawl. And then he had, like, gone back to the changing room. And the ref was, like, standing at the sideline for, like, five minutes wait, asking for number 14. <laughs> and he eventually just gave up and just gave a red card to the air <laughs> also get some of them boys in the frame they're great value um, so. all time performance from uh, Comoros Bailey who uh, nobody had heard of except people like me because I'm an absolute nerd about geography yep. um, the, it's a group of islands near Madagascar uh, who ended up having all their keepers out with Covid in their knockout <laughs> match with Cameroon, with Cameroon and played the left back in nets. That brought up the funniest image of the entire tournament and maybe football ever <laughs> of that guy going out to block a shot with his arms <laughs> behind his back. <laughs> his muscle memory just took over. There were also a couple of hilarious saves where he, like, he goes like, like, like arm before knee or knee before <laughs> arm. It was like the wrong way around with the wrong arm um, against like Abubakar. <laughs> it was like you know like in primary school whatever like he didn't want to do nets yeah so like you would purposely like not do them correctly be like oh i'm so bad at these get me back <laughs> but you know what, it was like <laughs> but you know what the best part about it was is that one of the keepers was actually covid negative on the day but they, yeah. just, they still decided to play the left back in nets honestly what a competition <laughs> i said I, I watched like three games but it was so electric what was going on uh, in the final as well, I think there was a point whenever Mane, just before his penalty, you actually see Salah go over to the keeper and go, he's going here. To which Mane then points in the other direction, go, no, no, I'm going there. And of yeah. course, Salah and the keeper were right. Um, wasted the rest of my evening. But then get, gets the actual penalty themselves. Uh, and it got like done. It was th- three all. They both either missed or had one saved. Yeah. And then, obviously, Mane scores his, which meant that Salah couldn't actually take a penalty. And that started this like debate online of when do you let your best penalty taker go? Yeah, because everyone's like, "Oh, you sh- should have had him earlier. Ha- ha- at least have him take one, score it." But then you also get into the other camp where it's like you look at England in the summer and you have Saka go last. Yeah, and then he misses. So I'm wondering, Chris, where where, where would you have had him? Um. Yeah. See, it's it's tough because yeah. you can't. It's it's complete hindsight thing. Yeah. 
of like, yeah, of course, it now looks dumb to not have him take one. Yeah, but there's a lot, there's too many people nowadays who put like centre backs up like two or three, and you're like, well, yeah, like you know, centre backs love it. Like I know Carragher used to do it back in the day and all, but like you know, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, all time sham performance. I thought afterwards for trophy presentations. So so I I just saw um, Koulibaly kind of mess up the lifting of the of the trophy. Uh, I didn't really see much else other than that. Well, the entire thing was a mess. So, first of all, the referees went up to uh, get their medals, but the referees also brought balls with them and Sharpies and were getting the FIFA delegation to sign the balls. <laughs> was it like Infantino and all his squad? In- Infantino, rock star. <laughs> uh, oh, I hate that, man. Uh, so, <laughs> I didn't actually know any of the others. They must have been like from Senegal and Egypt and stuff. It's yeah. not the usual. It's not that guy you always see at UEFA with the wig. He wasn't there. Which <laughs> Who's that? Disappointed him. You'll know him if you watch any European final. With the wig? Yeah, it's not even a wig. It's just a dodgy hairpiece. Yeah. <laughs> so the referees then walk over to where the trophy should be presented. They get their photo. Then the runners-up come up. They get their medals. And then they're forced to take a photo. Yeah. Which I'm not about at all. Yep. And also, I actually had a lot of respect for the Egyptian lads because most of them actually kept the medal on. I hate this fake Oh, nonsense. yeah, I, they're taking it off. Yeah. I hate all that players I... getting on as though they think they're like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or something. <laughs> Ugh. I hate that. But anyway, after that, the Senegal team come up, which is yep. fine. Koulibaly lifts the trophy. You're thinking all good. Get yourself in front there, lift it. He's then told to give the trophy back to Infantano and some other bloke. Why? They then walk up to, like, the, I'm assuming it's a royal box, where, where the prawn sandwich brigade sit. <laughs> Kilabali follows. Was he meant to? I think so. They then <laughs> talk to either the king or president of Senegal. Right. He then, he then hands the trophy to Kilabali. Right. He then walks the entire way back down the steps to the trophy area, and then no one really knew what to do. <laughs> And then that's where he gets to your point where he messes up the trophy list. Oh, that was after that? Oh, yeah, right. yeah, there was a whole fuss before. Oh, no mess. wonder he was like that then. What were they I doing can... in between? <laughs> they were walking up and I couldn't believe what I was saying. The entire thing was just, oh, so bizarre. Yeah. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And then to make it even more bizarre, uh, Watford decided to get involved, Chris. What is Myla Sarr, who they yeah. barely let go to the yeah. AFCON? So they t- tweeted a photo of him being like, congrats, Is- Isma, great to see you win. And everyone was just like, hang on a second, <laughs> you weren't for letting him go. <laughs> they were like, bring a legal challenge to let him go. <laughs> exactly. And then obviously what they did with Nigeria, it's like, you lot have no shame whatsoever. That's hilarious. L- l- love a placement student. Um <laughs> I uh, have to give a massive shout out to the Gambia, Bailey. Um, i got a friend here in Edinburgh who is from the Gambia and we were closely following their uh, progress in their first ever AFCON. Okay. And they got to the quarterfinals against Cameroon and lost. So that was an unbelievable debut performance. They had two players who play for Salford and Forest Green in League Two. Ugh, no. And that's, that's, no. I'm that's glad like... I went <laughs> and that's basically the highest level of some of their some of their players so um, fair play to them nah imagine taking a wage from Gary Neville <laughs> <laughs> that's the weird thing about um, like AFCON and the Gold Cup in North America as well is you have like you know like Salah and Mane and then you've got like a bunch of um, like players here based in England but they have like parents who are from a different country or whatever and they play for them like yeah. you know 
situation, like Antonio or whatever in Jamaica. Um, so, that, so like Ghana had the, like the Swindon goalkeeper in nets with like, <laughs> you know, all of the Ghanaian players, like Daniel Martin and stuff, you know. No, well, I didn't, from what I saw, I enjoyed the AFCON. I yeah. had one slight issue with it. As Senegal were lifting the trophy and everything, Jermaine Genus then lets me know that the next AFCON is next summer. That's not a big enough gap between international <laughs> tournaments. Yeah, it's every it's every two years, isn't it? It's every it's, well, it's not even two years. That's eighteen months. Yeah, and, and the and the World Cup. Is yeah, plus Christmas? they have a World Cup. Yeah, that, yeah, they can't take that seriously. No, the it's... entire thing's a, a sham. Yeah, it's an Ivory Coast, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we'll get on to another sham competition here: the FA Cup, Chris. Uh, oh, come night, on. Bit, come bit on. Of fire, bit of fireworks on Friday night as uh, whoever was, I didn't even watch it live. Whichever TV channel was on the commentators were clearly going, Magic of the Cup. This is what it's all about. <laughs> Giant killings. I hate all that nonsense. Um, what uh, is this like? Is this getting to the stage where we need to start questioning Ralph Rangnick? Wreck it, Ralph? Yeah, of course. Uh, because that's a poor result. Well, yeah. I mean, Chris. Well, I mean, I mean, Chris Wilder. Um, people are maybe aware or not. Chris Wilder has, to be fair to, to Neil Warnock, Chris Wilder has now taken Millsborough to the brink of the playoffs in the championship. No way has Wilder improved on Neil. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like that unbelievable of a result, but um, yeah, I mean, a great result for Middlesbrough. Well, I'm sure, and he probably did in centre here after. I'm sure Ralph would point to like XG because well, United of course, had seven. Yeah. You talk about the Ronaldo miss penalty, which is hilarious. It uh, was quite funny, to be fair. Chris, your team's captain, Declan Rice, I hope he never gets in the gambling because I think two days before he had done an interview with Gary Neville where he was asked, who would you back to take a penalty? And he said, oh, I'd put all my money on Cristiano Ronaldo. Absolutely. So, so he would have lost it 48 hours later. Uh, they also have the Bruno Fernandes miss. Yeah, that was like, rough, that. Yeah. That, that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah, and then of course they, they they get a goal through Sancho, but then concede one and inevitably draw because of a handball. Uh, yeah, it was quite funny that that wasn't given. To be honest, it was funny because well, I actually had a lot of time for the Borough players because I think the issue with a lot of players in that situation would have been they would have kind of seen the handball and then given up and not really celebrated. Those right. Borough boys celebrate as though they had won the entire competition <laughs> yeah it's not as if they're like you know like they were in the Premier League not that long ago you know I guess not it's not like a, you know to score Old Trafford isn't like incredible for them you know, <laughs> you know, you know it's not like boring wood <laughs> but yeah the way they them boys ran but I find it hilarious just the gurning from Man United fans after that was allowed being like oh, it's not a handball and all this and but, but get, was that, but was that like the up. was that like the point that was like oh we, we we were a victim of injustice rather than we should have beaten Middlesbrough yeah was that, yeah that was and that was Ralph's comments after but what I find hilarious like this is a Man United team who during pandemic era football were given one of those every week <laughs> Bruno, Bruno Fernandes wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for dodgy decisions like that. Let's be honest here. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah, yeah. I think it's one of it's clearly what has gone on for two years during the pandemic football. There, people going about handballs. They've now changed the rule, but unfortunately, in this situation, it didn't help Man United. So we, we need to change everything again, Chris. And then, <laughs> on this, someone else who cracks me up most, Daniel Amarda. 
The Daniel and Marty curse as Leicester lose 4-1 at Nottingham Forest. Which, by the way, for those who aren't aware, that is apparently, I'm told, a massive derby. Uh, in, what? <laughs> I, I, in the, Hang on a second. Oh, in, the, oh, in the East Midlands, because it was, a, it was very controversial when Wes Morgan, who was like Nottingham Forest through and through, went to Leicester, and then obviously did what he did. Um, yeah, apparently that's a big that's a big derby. Yeah, I'm not having this because that's right. why that's well, why they the ca- are close. Because <laughs> that, that's why the captain when he scored <laughs> the third goal was a massive like celebration in front of all the Leicester fans telling him to shush. Oh, he was giving it large. Yeah, but I didn't watch a great. I watched the ten minutes where Leicester completely collapsed. It was, was a joy. It was pretty remarkable. I mean, because like that was none of those players. Are reserve players. They're all first team players. Yeah, and the and the keeper who is the sub keeper is the Wales goalkeeper. I don't actually think he was at fault to be honest, but like, um, I, I thought Brendan afterwards. It was very interesting. I've never heard him be so brutal in public. I I just like that again. Brendan was getting on as though he was someone. Like, he well, was getting on. I mean, as to be he, fair, like, like he's a serial winner. Well, he's bigger than most of that Leicester squad. Who now isn't the Leicester squad that won the Premier League? To be oh, fair, I was, going, I was going to say some of them boys have Premier League winners medals. Brendan doesn't. Well, two or three of them do. I mean, you know, Brendan. including Mark Albrighton. Yeah, Brendan doesn't. Well, stop getting on as though you're this king of football, Brendan. I mean, getting on like what was it he said? It was like the FA Cup for some of these boys was enough. It's not enough for me. It's like what? I, but I, I like that. I don't know. Like no, no, it's complete. so fake from Brendan. <laughs> he, he's won what? He's won one thing in England. I think um, I think well I think it's uh, I think it's better than that but uh, uh, like some of the performances were I mean Daniel and Marty was particularly horrendous I have to say I know you have a, you don't have a soft spot for for Big Daniel um, Nah you love to see it um, but I, but I was wondering who else he was talking about I was wondering if if Soyuncu was one of the ones he was talking about as well um, I think so because I think just the entire backline was shocking Tillemans was captain and. I'll be honest, he's not a captain material type well, guy for me. Well, I mean, I, I mean, there were, I'm sure there was a chance that Tillmans would have left in January, so they're probably glad to still have him. But well, that's the other thing. Brendan's getting on like that, and it's like Brendan, you do realize you're at a cl- club that sells its best players. <sighs> well, you know, like T- well, Tillmans is there to get his next move. Well, they're doing the don't, yeah. You know, like Chilwell left. This is a club that well is supposed to sell those guys to let them go on to win trophies. Well, yeah, well, I mean, well, Chelsea were not that club once, you know, they used to be where Leicester are now, that sort of level, you know, that can change. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben Chelwell's champion of Europe. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, they lose They lose 4-1. Brutal. The, the, the one they got was quite funny because it was an absolute... Oh, yeah. Uh, appa- again, look, looks match-fixing from the keeper. No, but apparently that keeper um, is brilliant because uh, I was looking him up after. Uh, he's one like, uh, he was like the... PFA team of the year and stuff last year right. <laughs> but that was really bad <laughs> I, I think he just got overexcited he's like oh my days we're 3-0 up against Leicester yeah the, the defender was actually raging at him yeah and then the, the only other thing from this game really was that a, a Leicester fan got onto the pitch yeah and started and, smacking some of the Forest boys and, and yeah. decked the Forest player I think he got arrested after oh he completely deserves everything he gets yeah, there, there seems to be like when did we well, obviously, cool. But like, when did we suddenly become football fans? Suddenly become so like you know throwing stuff at players and 
coming onto the pitch and punching. Like, when did that, like, why does that happen now when it didn't before COVID? I, I don't really understand that. Every, everyone's just lost the plot. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, I hate this thing that happens whenever an agent does something like that and a council put up, like, Leicester fan in, like, inverted quotes. And it's like, well, take away those quotes because he is a fan. Like, he has paid for a ticket to see Leicester away. That's... Right. The, the only people getting those tickets are fans. So don't try and displace it. Right. Like, oh, no, he's just a moron. He's not... A, he doesn't represent Leicester. No, he kind of does. Right. But, yeah, I just thought the entire thing... It's dark day for Leicester yesterday. And yeah. I They've got Liverpool next. see it. Yeah. Oh, do they? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. With Diaz and what I call Mane and Salah back. Yep. Can't wait. Hope they get pumped. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere, Chris, our boys had a rough afternoon. West Ham, Kidderminster <clears throat> took Declan Rice to the last minute I mean, of I, time. I have, have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts about this. First of all, yes, Yarmolenko. I, I know I'm not defending any of that. That was the worst dive of all time. Uh, mm. No, a lot of people were like, "Oh, the pitch was like a McCoy's deep ridge." I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't like horrendous. You know, it was. It was just a football pitch. But like, my issue with the Bailey, and I, obviously I'm saying as, as a West Ham fan, is that I, I, you know, obviously everyone wanted Kidderminster to win. Like, I, I, you know, I would want Kidderminster to win if I didn't support West Ham. No, I'm actually the opposite. I want big clubs to smack those things. But my issue was Bailey is that. Especially in the coverage afterwards, it was just like you know, you know, we almost had the biggest giant yeah. killing in FA Cup history. What a performance by Kidderminster! Like one of the defenders had an unbelievable game. I will admit that. But here's the thing: it didn't happen. Yeah. Like, and, and to be fair, Declan Rice with an unbelievable individual goal. Um, phenomenal. <laughs> and, and, pe- and people had a go at him for his celebration after. Again, loved it. Declan, sorry, Declan Rice can celebrate any way in which he wants to because he's earned it. Yeah, people are getting on as though he shouldn't be allowed to do it because of the level of opposition it's against. It's like, no, sorry, he scored a, a last-minute equaliser in, in a cup game. Doesn't matter who he's against, let him do it. Yeah. It was also one of the best noises ever <laughs> as the, the air was sucked out of the <laughs> ground whenever that went in. I, I was like... Were you not surprised, Billy, by like how good Kidderminster's stadium was? Like sort of, but for, I also for, noticed like a team at that level. I also noticed a lot of empty seats, which wasn't impressive. Really? Me. Yeah, I'll call them out on it. I saw a lot, especially if if you're gonna have an FA Cup game that's on TV, at least put the fans on the side that the camera's gonna see. Yeah, th- th- that's one thing I forgot to mention about the Man United match. I don't know if you heard that, Billy. Is that all the food was off at halftime? Oh yeah, that came over the tunnel. <laughs> Sparked like a Glazers out thing, but yeah, um, they get North scarfs out again. United fans, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, fair play to Kidderminster, but and it is absolutely brutal that it was the 120th plus one minute. Yeah, that we scored. No, I, I thought that was even funnier. Um, so, but, <laughs> that, but that is that is unfortunately the way it goes. Yeah. Well, my favorite thing about the entire thing is whenever they get on, like commentators are being like, "Oh, they were so close. They should have gone through and all this." It's like BBC, ITV, BT Sport. You shouldn't want that lot to go through. Could you imagine Kidderminster against Luton in the next round here? <laughs> no one's watching that. I'm sorry. As, as, as nice a story as it might be, no one's watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do your own ratings a favour. 
No, I, I, I did love how Moyes progressively brought on more of more of the first team. I mean, Billy Diop came off at half time. Oh, he was rotten, Chris. <sighs> like, it's you know, yeah, and the guy Kral, the Czech guy, hasn't got much of a look in this season. He didn't really perform. I don't know. It's hard coming in, you know, off not playing and stuff. But like, you know, it's Kidderminster. Oh no, he he properly looks like a Make a Wish guy. Kral, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know you employed that guy. Yeah, apparently he's, he's meant to be quite good, but yeah. I nah, I couldn't do it on that pitch. Although this game did bring up my, my favourite image of the weekend. Right. Uh, after the game, David Moyes sharing a bath with the Kidderminster oh, manager and his oh, assistant. That's good, good to see. Yeah. David just having a, having a nice cold Budweiser while the Kidderminster manager has a can. Love to see it. Good to see that, yeah. Uh, I don't feel bad for him in particular, the manager, yeah. Uh, sort of as well, but uh, nah, I'm kind of just I'm in the camp of yeah, just slap this, slap by just smack them. Yeah, and it kind of comes as well. Uh, I spoke in the last round about Chesterfield. I had a lot of respect for them. They came to Chelsea. I wish they got Plymouth. Yeah, no time for Plymouth. Oh, interesting. Boys. Yeah. Uh, why? What was wrong with Plymouth? Uh, pre-game, I saw balloons in the crowd. I'm like, I seen a birthday party. You know. Does it make any difference that Plymouth are by far and away they have to travel more than any like their away fans have to travel more than any other club in the football league? Does that make any difference? Unlucky geography. <laughs> Apparently, they actually have a real issue with um, signing players for this reason. I don't know because heard this <laughs> because no one wants to go there. Yeah, because they have to travel so much. Yeah. Well, whoever did travel, whichever clowns brought the balloons along, it wasn't about. They went one nil up, and we're getting on as though they were giving up the classic champions of Europe. You're having a laugh, chance thinking they were the big lads. <laughs> oh. And then the way the commentators were getting on, we had of course they were. Who we was had on? Matthew. We had Matthew Upson, West Ham, le- not legend, West Ham, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. West Ham employee at yeah. one stage. <laughs> we-, we had him and JP, as Jermaine Genius uh, calls him. Mm-hmm. Stick-, <laughs> stick to Robot Wars. But there was so much like the way they were getting on, they kept like flipping the narrative. So obviously, whenever uh, Plymouth go ahead, it's like, oh, Chelsea just aren't at the races here. And then Chelsea score, it's like, oh, Premier League quality com- comes out. <laughs> And then, like five minutes later, like Plymouth looked knackered. And it's like, hang on a second. Yeah. Ten minutes ago, you you were laughing at us. Yeah. And now you're going, these boys are knackered. No, stop flipping everything. And I, then, yeah. Chelsea get a second goal, and it's like, oh, Premier League quality. You know, this is why they're champions of Europe. And then Plymouth get a penalty. But that that penalty was bad. I'll be honest. I don't think it was a penalty. Oh come on, Billy. And again, this gets to my thing with like fans of clubs below the Premier League were like oh the Premier League's soft and all this we love a challenge <laughs> the way some of those boys went down at the weekend right absolute joke so they are if, it's certain fans like that that get on my work the ones who are like oh Premier especially the ones who are like going about Man City not filling seats then you see Kidderminster they're not fill seats it's like <laughs> you lot don't have a right <laughs> you'll have all these boys saying oh it's soft at the Premier League he's dying like the amount of times I just saw Kovacic get hacked down and then they'll go, oh, it's a disgrace. Right, and then as soon as right. one of their players has like a, a hand on a shoulder, it's like, oh, penalty. But to be fair, it's very easy to dislike Chelsea, Billy. You have to admit. Oh, 100%. I live for that. So I love being the part of my villain. But it gets the penalty and JP's like pure building this up. So it is, it, this is his big moment. I think at one stage he used the words about... The, the guy, Ryan Hardy. The yeah. yeah. Being like, this is his moment for immortality. <laughs> 
Well, I'll tell you what, he's going to live on in immortality with that football club forever because that was a stinking penalty. Unlucky, mate. Um, yeah, um, I, I was going to say another COVID assistant issue. Uh, you got, got got an assistant rather than the manager for two children COVID. Are you away to Dubai yet? Is that happening now? We're on holiday currently. To the club, are you away for the Club World Cup now? We're at the Club World Cup where we will play Al Halil on Wednesday. Um, great, yeah. I think they were the club Xavi was formerly at. Um, oh, is that the oh, it's the Qatar team? Yeah, and they have Odian Agallo starting up oh, top for oh, them. Agallo, too, right? okay. After signing him, I think last week. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, I see. Right. Okay. Yeah, so they'll be playing them, and then Palmeiras, I think. Yeah. Potentially, if they if they get through the final. It also, had a good moment when uh, Liverpool were playing Cardiff, Billy. When I realised, uh, throwback to a few episodes ago, you mentioned that you love watching Millwall in the FA Cup because there's always that guy. Who's just kind of up front for them? Same bloke every year, yeah. Turns out he's the Cardiff manager. <laughs> Hang on a second, <laughs> Steve Morrison. Hang on a second. Tur- turns out he, while he was hit doing the big things with Millwall, he was getting his coaching badges. And he manages oh Cardiff. God, that, that's him. <laughs> just looking at, yeah, and he's got hair now as well. Yeah, <laughs> he's done well. Yeah. I love that I've just typed in Cardiff manager and the fifth picture that turns up is Mick McCarthy getting a bit rough. <laughs> and then just below that, Neil Warnock with hands on hips looking at the ref. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, yeah, that was that was elite when Neil Warnock managed them. That was so funny that that's where that guy's ended up. Didn't want that another game. I didn't realise that game was actually going ahead because it kicked off at like 12 o'clock. The FA Cup 12 o'clock on a out. Sunday? Yeah, that's not a time for I a mean, game come of football. On. What's that about? Uh, like... But was good to see Harvey Elliott back. Uh, yeah, that was a great goal. That was, that was so a great was, goal. There was, there was video doing the rounds there. It's like his dad watching it. No, it was a great moment to see. Uh, FA Cup draw again, Chris. Most rigged thing in the world. Uh, I was pleased to see uh, Stoke got through. Michael O'Neill. Um, Stoke will be away to Crystal Palace. And uh, you have to respect Bourne Wood, Billy. Kind of, but I hope Frank Lampard tanks them. <laughs> So um, they, they, they go away to Everton. This is, it is, it's the most fixed thing in the world. Like All the big clubs sort of avoid each other. Of course, well, Huddersfield, yeah. They do other than West Ham getting Southampton. But, Aye. you know, Man City are going away to Peterborough. Chelsea are away to Luton. Spurs are away to Borough. There's quite Liverpool, a lot of championship teams left. Yeah. Liverpool are at home in Norwich. Yeah. It's like, we all know who's gone through here. But yeah, we'll get on the in the mud here, Chris, before we, we yeah. wrap up. Yeah. And this week it is the weather. So I don't know if you the said I was discussing earlier about the CONCACAF uh, fixtures that were on there for whatever reason. Can, can I just stop it's... you there just yep. before you say it? Um, can we discuss the term CONCACAF? I have no idea what it means. Like, w- I mean, somebody find a new acronym, <laughs> please, for yeah. the love of sanity. Four, four letters or less for us. North America. Right. It's not <laughs> hard. Like, But yes, for, for some reason... The entire continents of North and South America decide to play in a period where the Premier League decides we're not playing anymore. Right. Uh, but this week, the US hosted Honduras. Where were they playing yeah, in America? They were playing in Minnesota. Right. Uh, in minus 15 degrees Celsius. The, right. The Honduras coach. Was that a choice to play there? It is. Because America's quite a big country with a lot of well, stadiums. This is where I think America <laughs> needs to 
I think they could be really smart here, and I think the coach is actually on to something. But the Honduras coach confirmed after the game that two of his players had to be taken off at half time, with both suffering from hypothermia. Yeah, because I I see people go on to this, Billy, because I was reading that the um, the Canada coach, who's obviously done a phenomenal job, was saying that it is the most brutal like qualifying process in mm-hmm. world football because of the differences in temperatures, yeah, and climate conditions. Well, he was saying it's not normal. He said it's inconceivable that a power in every sense would bring you here to play a game and get a result. The game hasn't started, but I can't wait for it at the end because it's not for enjoying, it's for suffering. The US head coach, uh, Greg Berhalter, then responded by saying, what I would say is that we provided Honduras and their staff and the referees with warm weather gear, which if you look at photos of it, they did just give them like balaclavas and snoods. <laughs> uh, we provided them with heat gear and we were trying to make it a safe environment for them to play. When we schedule this game in this location, you have to go by average temperatures, daily average temperatures, and it was the best guess. We want to minimise travel. We knew we were going to be playing in cold weather in two of the games, and we figured to do it in the third game as well, instead of switching climates. So what the US have done here, very smart. They were playing three games. The other two they played in Ohio and Canada. Obviously, but obviously, if you're playing a team from Central America who are used to warmer climates, brutal. But it was quite funny when he finished off after the game. saying the US coach, he was like, uh, "They're all coming from the equator, and it's going to be really difficult for them to deal with these conditions. They're going to take a couple of breaths, and it's going to hit them like they've never been hit before." <laughs> that's, br- I, that's brutal. I think it's hilarious. I think the US <laughs> should do this for whoever they're playing. Like they, because the US is so big and so many stadiums and so many different climates. Yeah. Play to the opposition. Like, say, well, I'm sure Canada have done something relatively, but Canada has less of a choice because most of their mm. places will be colder. Yeah, but it's like America has such extremes. Yeah, so I was like trying to think, like, who could they, like, what else could they do? So if they like play the team from Scandinavia, play them down like Arizona. <laughs> you know, I think if if they were to play like Northern Ireland or Scotland, play them in Vegas because yeah, the, yeah, all the players just end up at the roulette wheel. <laughs> You know, I, I think America could be very smart here and start strategizing where they're playing. Yeah. Um, but, like, massive respect to Canada, Bailey. Why so? Well, I mean, th- they've beaten America home and away twice, I think, now, and are oh, th- set to go to the World Cup. From what I know, these guys play each other, like, five times a year. Listen, these fixtures are meaningless. Canada Canada never make it. And I am, like, let's be honest, Bailey. If it's, if it's sport and it's Canada, America, who are you supporting? Let's be honest. I'm supporting Christian Pulisic and Team USA. Christian Pulisic, who loves chatting about how much he hates playing wing back for Chelsea every time he goes to play for America. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely um, adore the guy. I've actually got a, a US away top. Do you? So, yeah. Yeah. Bought myself it for Christmas because I'm such a fan. Listen, I know, like, respect to the because the coach apparently of um, Canada is from like Durham or something, and he was the manager of the women's team and then went straight to the men's team. He's also having to deal with like Alfonso Davis. Yeah, I, I read that, yeah. Um, so he's played then. for a while, he's just become like a, a full time Twitch streamer. Oh, has he? Right. Um, so, well, he's doing nothing else, he may as well make a couple of pounds. Yeah, um, yeah, no, uh, that whole. Yeah, qualifying process is yeah is interesting. Yeah, it's a mess. Honestly, North America and South America are just playing too many fixtures. Dore saw as well that Mikel Antonio was nominated for the twenty twenty one Concacaf Player of the Year, despite only deciding to play for Jamaica in like May. That's a disgrace. (laughs) 
that's that's a sham though. <laughs> yeah, Jamaica aren't going to qualify, unfortunately. But yeah, someone needs to tear a good hard look at themselves putting in that nomination. Yeah, that's like those nonsense FIFA ones the other week that had like three defenders in it just so they could fit Bugs, Messi, and Ronaldo in. <laughs> oh, don't I, that's not the thing to start me on. Yeah. Football awards, oh, yeah. more nonsense. But yeah, that'll wrap us up for the week, Chris. Any final thoughts? You've had two weeks to prepare. Uh oh, um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I think we're back to oh, we're back to midweek Premier League this week, aren't we? Like, change, get your fantasy teams ready. Uh, wouldn't know, Chris, because my team's off to become champions of the world. Oh, you're oh you're taking a wee break, right? Okay, we're playing yeah, so, Watford, I think. Yeah, and if we do become champions of the world, I will not stop talking about it. So I look forward to that. Did you did you win it under Rafa Benitez? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, no. Uh, we you lost? Uh, yeah, we lost in the final. To who? To some Brazilian team? Uh, Flamengo or... No, Corinthians. Right. Corinthians because Rafa, in his infinite wisdom, decided to not play any of the Brazilian players for Chelsea, who obviously would have taken that tournament seriously, and decided to play Victor Moses, who didn't want to be there. <laughs> Are we, you also gonna... to, we also had to play it in Japan. Well, well indeed. Are you going to be playing against William? Does he play for that team? Palmeiras? Um, I have no idea where Williams ended up. Yeah, most, I, ho- I hope so. Ends, actually, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see William again, Chelsea hero, after what he's done. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, not what he done for my club, what he done for Arsenal. Well, indeed. <laughs> and that'll wrap us up. But yeah, as Chris says, we're, we're back to regularly scheduled Premier League soccer. So yep. we'll see everyone next week. <laughs>